Welcome to episode 16 of the Golf Betting System podcast. We're talking this week Honda Classic on the PGA Tour and the Qatar Open on the European Tour. This podcast is for the listeners of 18 and above. I am Steve Bamford, PGA Tour previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, I've got the uh, our two usual partners in crime. I've got European Tour expert Paul Williams. Evening to you, Paul. Evening, Steve. And we've also got resident guest Barry O'Hanrahan. How are you, Barry? I'm really good, thanks, guys. How are you both? Yeah, I'm good, Barry. Good, good, good. Fair to middling. Fair to middling. <laughs> yeah, a bit accurate. Yeah. As ever, some housekeeping. Let's uh, let's crack on. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Search golf betting or golf betting tips and you'll find us on the search engine of your choice. Twitter handle, Steve Bamford. That's me. I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul's at Golf Betting. Barry's at A Good Talk Golf. Any podcast this week from you guys, Gat Barry, that you know of? We'll see how we feel. We're kind of more in the vein of if we have something really juicy to get stuck into these days, we'll, we'll give it a rip, but uh, unless kind of tied to the, the weekly tournaments. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we're in the mood to, uh, to, have a, to go through a few things. If Barry does produce one with James this week, we will also link to that podcast here. Uh, on our Podkey, uh, Pod, uh, Podbean channel. Uh, just a couple more things. Um, iTunes reviews, we're all up for those. And uh, likes and subscribes and follows on Podbean, uh, Podbean of course, would be wonderful. Um, I don't really want to focus on last week uh, because I felt like slitting my wrists with Bubba Watson. Um, I did get a slither of something back with uh, Phil Mickelson. But I know that my mood is infinitely better than your two moods based on the Oman Open. So, go on. I'll give you guys 45 seconds to take us through the Oman Open. <laughs> okay, yeah, where do we start? And I guess you, you, you bet on these uh, golf tournaments um, enough to expect these uh, 54-hole derailments um, every now and again but we do seem to get in quite a few of them lately and Matthew Southgate was the uh, the most recent one on the list um, <laughs> it, I mean, he got himself into a cracking position a number in fact he got himself to three shots uh, three shots ahead of the field on two separate occasions um, over the course of the first three days and then went into the final round in the share for the lead and um, that was as close as he got it all started to go horribly wrong on Sunday and uh, yeah, he didn't even place in the end, which is uh, extremely frustrating for a 150 to one shot. But there you go. I know you're on him as well, Barry, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. He he just went the direction of a surname, didn't he? Um, it's really disappointing. <laughs> and he's a likable guy as well, so it's kind of you're you're kind of emotionally torn whether to hate him and break the TV and throw shit at him <laughs> versus uh, supporting the guy. But um, yeah, when he's in such a great position, you know. The hope builds, and uh, especially when the bet's over 100 to 1 as well. So, um, yeah, you know, hopefully it just brings us a little bit of good karma later on in the year to uh, see what happens, I guess. Yeah, well, let's hope it all uh, evens itself out, as you say. But uh, I, I think Southgate would be better for the better for the run. I think he'll be um, stronger for the experience in the longer term. Uh, you know, and as you say, he's a likable chap, and uh, he's clearly got quite a bit about him in terms of his game. So um, yeah, I've not quite given up on him yet. It's just uh, a little frustrating, as you said, Stu. I think the thing that was really obvious last week to me um, was that we were told and kind of knew it was a linksy style course, and. It, I, 
be played that way. And a lot of the guys that are just seem to be almost link specialists or really turn it on when it becomes a links course. Southgate's notorious for it, so it just seems like a really smart guy to have on board at always long odds for these tournaments and just prepare for the heartbreak when he doesn't get it over the line or even get <laughs> into the places. Chris Wood, you know, who's gone through a rough patch of form but has always shown up very well in links courses and he put in a cracking performance too. So, so a lot of these guys should be, um, you know, to bear in mind, well, I will be anyway throughout the European Tour season and now that it has more of a kind of a defined stretch of links golf, there uh, there's a few guys to have on the short list for those weeks as we as we go through the year. Yeah, definitely. Definitely um, players you can earmark for these kind of events and... Uh, as you say, if you can pick up a decent price on them because their incoming form, like Southgate's was, is uh, pretty poor, then uh, um, all the better if they do uh, do manage to actually get uh, into a paying position at the end of 72 holes. I'm sure you tipped up Yoast as well, didn't you, this season? Earlier this season? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Abu Dhabi, I think I put him up for. So, uh, yeah, I could see he was, you know, he, he wasn't far away, Yoast, and um, I... I tend to be able to read him quite well, but um, he's been striking the ball uh, very well in his last start in Malaysia. I think he started, uh, it was his previous start, but his putting um, wasn't quite there. And, you know, you know, when I look at him and uh, I want to see those sparks of um, some life in his putter combined with his ball striking and then on the right kind of track, it's it's there. And um, it didn't have quite enough of me. In fact, I, I thought last week it was going to be slightly lower scoring than it was, so that kind of um, pushed him out of the equation for me. But sixteen under was right, uh, right where he expected, uh, or you expect him to be competing that kind of mid uh, teens and under under par. And um, yeah, he, he, you know, he did nothing wrong. Fair play to him. Thoughts on Bubba for the Masters after after yesterday? I, I don't think like how can you discount him now? Like he's finally got rid of those stupid Volvic golf balls that are, that are designed to go straight and long and nothing else. So um, it seems to have just, you know, the ball change combined with whatever else is going on in the background because it can't just be the ball, but, you know, the ball might have been the catalyst for a whole bunch of things. Um, it just seems to have brought him back to life, you know, and he was, it was just a beautiful show of shot making and, you know, Bubba, like you want to see him uh, play golf you know, like him or hate him, just to watch somebody play golf like that is uh, it's a beautiful thing to see. And he's gone back to Augusta where with, you know, wins in Riviera in 2014 and 2016, backed up by Masters wins in both those years. And now he's gone and done it again on another even year, win in Riviera. And he's going <laughs> to the Masters in a few weeks and he's going to be buzzing. So, like, I, how, can you not, how can you see Bubba outside the top 20 in Augusta now based on the current form? Is, he's got a great chance. I mean, sixty-six to one, you could have got on him at various points uh, during the last uh, last four days, and uh, you know, as he's won that tournament yesterday, he's gone uh, gone down to twenty-eights, twenty-fives in places now. So, uh, I managed to pick up a bit of sixty-six in running myself. So, a nice little anti-post bet there for for Bubba. Um, as you say, I, there's no reason to suggest that he can't do it. So, uh, I thought that was worth a pump. I know we're going to talk anti-post. I think we're going to pull together a, um, a, a Masters podcast at some point. We might do it this week, listeners. So that's something to keep keep your ear out for. But just I'll quickly run through some Masters prices very, very quickly. Dustin Johnson, 8-1. to one, Jordan Spieth, 8-1. These are best prices as we record this. 
I'm seeing 10 to 1 with Rory McIlroy, 14s on Jason Day, uh, 16 to 1 on John Rahm, 18 to 1 on Ricky Fowler, 20 Justin Thomas, 20 Justin Rose, 28 to 1 Hideki Matsuama, and 28 to 1 Bubba Watson. I mean, that Bubba Watson as well is a larger price with lots of firms than Tiger Woods. Can you believe that, lads? Can you <laughs> believe that? <laughs> that is in, that's incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. And this is it. I mean, 66 to 1 on Bubba Watson in play during during the tournament this weekend. And you're seeing now nothing better than 28 to 1. But even that compared to, say, a, I don't know, 18 to 1 on Ricky Fowler. You know, that 28 to 1 seems like a, still seems a half decent price to me. Oh, and people have been taking it all the way through today. Um, yeah. You know, at the start of today, there was still some 33s about. That's all gone. 28 is still there. I wouldn't be surprised to see that all gone by the end of today, tomorrow. And people are piling in. So You know, uh, I'm seeing 25 to 1 about Brooks Coker, who's injured. <laughs> That's bananas. Yeah. That's bananas. Bananas. It is bananas. Totally bananas. Anyway, let's get on to this two, the uh, two events this week. I'm going to start with the Honda Classic this week. Um. Both of our previews will be available. Both pools for the uh, Qatar Open and mine for the Honda Classic will be available from early tomorrow morning. Um, we'll also be uh, publishing this podcast tomorrow, which is Tuesday as well for listeners. Honda Classic, we're now, we've now left the West Coast long behind us and we're across in Florida for uh, we used to have the Florida swing over four tournaments. It's now sh- foreshortened to three. We start off this week at the Champions Course at PGA National. Uh, then next week, Paul is writing the WGC uh, Mexico Championship tips for next week because that used to be hosted at Doral in Miami. That's for the second year being hosted on Poana Greens at altitude in Mexico City next week. That's a, that's going to be a, a uh, interesting tournament to get stuck in. Then we move back to Florida for the uh, Valspar Championship at Copperhead. And then the last uh, of the three legs of the, the, the uh, Florida Swing happen, of course, at Bay Hill for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And then after that, we're only two events away from the Masters of course, the WGC match play and then the Shell Houston Open. So it isn't far away now, listeners. We are getting very, very close to the first major of 2018. Okay, very, very tough golf course this week, PGA National, the Champions course. Um, It's traditionally one of the hardest, if not the hardest, par 70 on the PGA Tour, uh, non-major par 70, that is. Um, the wind tends to blow here. It's within a mile of the Atlantic close, uh, Atlantic coast. Um, it features, of course, the famous bear trap, the stretch of uh, holes 15 to 17. It's a Jack Nicholas design. And uh, when the wind blows and when conditions are firm and fast here, it is a brute of a golf course. Now, the last couple of years here, 2016, uh, that was, if you remember, won by Adam Scott. And 2017 last year was won by Ricky Fowler. We were on Ricky last year. Those two tournaments were fairly um, unique on the basis that the golf course was quite soft. So 
The, uh, the wind was quite strong in 2016, but the course was soft. 2017, uh, conditions were very soft and there wasn't a lot of wind around for the first two to three rounds of the tournament. So we saw a 12 under score with Ricky Fowler last year. I don't think this year is going to be like that though. Uh, Florida has been very, very dry. Um, there hasn't been any rain here since the middle of January. Now, I know they water courses and the like, but conditions, I think, are going to be firm and fast. And we're looking at uh, 20 to 25-mile-an-hour uh, gusting winds across Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I think this is going to be a genuine technical high-scoring test this week. I don't know the exact target score, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at something around the, say, six to seven under winning it this week. Um, it generally tends to be that kind of, uh, as you say, unless it's particularly soft, it tends to be that kind of six to nine under level, doesn't it? So Yeah, Fowler was 12 under last year. That was tranquil relatively, and it was soft. Scott was nine under in 2016, which was blowing, but the course itself, ground conditions were soft. Then you go to Pad uh, Padraig Harrington with that shock win in 2015. That was six under. Uh, Henley, eight under. Michael Thompson, nine under uh, back in 2013. So I think it's going to be around, you know, that six to eight under mark again this week. I think it's going to be a real struggle for the assembled uh, players there this week. Mm. And it's interesting with this tournament. I always find that it tends to be one of those you uh, one of those uh, PGA Tour events where the actual American contingent is quite small, and it's exactly the same this uh, this week. We've got Ricky Fowler. The favourite at eight to one, Justin Thomas twelve to one, Rory McIlroy twelve to one, and then the likes of Garcia, Hatton, Gary Woodland, Tommy Fleetwood, Alex Noren, Brian Harmon. Um, a, a lot of the real elite um, American golfers don't tend to want to get interested in this tournament because I think it is such a hard U.S. Open type affair. What do you guys make of uh, make of the? The Honda Classic is it one of the tournaments that you you like to watch each year? Well, both freeze and pause. I enjoy, I enjoy it. I enjoy seeing a good a good strong test of golf. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how to see back to back weeks in the PGA Tour where the the winning score will be will be pretty low and you know compared to other events on the PGA Tour we see throughout the year. Um, I, I mean, we've got the hype of the bear trap as well, which always helps, you know. And um, you get, we'll, you know, have a lot of Jack stories and you know, uh, history about Jack throughout the week as well, which is nice, you know, because well, we didn't grow up when he was playing golf, so you get a little, little hark back to the history of golf. So it's, it's you know, it's a nice week to watch golf, and uh, you know, it'll also help uh, shape some thoughts on. You know, guys, for maybe the U.S. Open, you know, uh, a little later in the season, um, you know, which also will present extremely difficult and testing conditions, and you know, similar kind of skill sets will be needed for, uh, you know, to, to to get anywhere in the U.S. Open. So, you know, a good little early indicator as well for for later on in the year. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly an interesting tournament because it's. Uh, you know, against a lot of these birdie fests that you see on the uh, on the PGA Tour, you're getting a, getting a proper test. And as you say, a lot of the Americans stay away from it. It's, it's got a very European feel, um, particularly towards the uh, kind of top top to middle part of the market. So, uh, 
Yeah, looking forward to it. Well, this is it. This is Garcia's first PJ Tour um, event um, this year. Um, Hatton's come across. Fleetwood's playing his second week in on a, in the row um, in the states, as is Alex Noren. You've then got the likes also further down of uh, Cabrera Bello. Of course, is a is a main tour. He's a PJ Tour guy now, but clearly European tour. Dylan Fratelli's come across, uh, and we've also got the likes of. Uh, uh, Benny Ann and uh, G Max playing Thomas Peters. It's got a very European tour mm. feel to it. Even Bern Wiesberger, and a name that has caught my eye. Um, I don't know if it's a kind of guy that would interest you two. I know that he's played on the uh, he's played on some Florida swing courses in the past and done quite well. Kiridash or Kiridash Afi Barnrap, who I'm seeing right now at ninety to one for this. Uh, that's well. The, that's an interesting name, I think. Yeah, he's, you know, he had a great end to 2017, and then uh, it was a bit sluggish um, at the start of this year after the, Eura- the Eurasia Cup, and um, uh, you know, he's got got his act together now. One in Perth um, a fortnight ago, or a week week and a half ago. So uh, yeah, he's in decent nick, hitting a lot of greens. Um, after Barnrat, a lot of greens. So. Tiger Woods is playing as well. 80 to 1, I'm seeing, mm. with Coral right now. They're seven places each way, 50 odds. They've gone seven places each way for this golf tournament, uh, as have Boyle Sports as well. So if you're interested in Tiger, who has finished runner-up here in the past, and we know that he's got an excellent Florida record, you've only got to look at results across Doral and also, of course, at Bay Hill. Uh, local resident in Jupiter, Florida. So Woods available. Anything I'm seeing at the moment from 50 up to a maximum of 80 to 1 this week. It is, I don't know, I've I've written in my preview, lads, that this is a very specialised event. And I'll just read you through uh, some past winners here. Uh, Camillo Vijegas, he won here and uh, he'd already finished ninth in the US Open. Rory McIlroy had won the US Open the year before he won here. Then you get to crazy names like Michael Thompson, who'd done absolutely nothing before arriving at this golf course in that season, but he'd finished second at the US Open, played the previous year. Uh, Russell Henley in 2014, he had finished uh, at Pebble Beach, the US Open there. He'd finished 16th as an amateur so he had a little bit of US Open pedigree. Uh, Pad- Paddy Harrington was a crazy 300-1 to price, something along those lines. He, of course, has three top five finishes at the US Open. Adam Scott has finished fourth and ninth at the US Open before winning this. And even last year, uh, Ricky Fowler has finished 10th and 2nd in US Opens before he won this golf tournament. So for me, that US Open link is something that you cannot really walk away from. Um, I'm also, I've looked for uh, my selection this week. I really do want guys that are hitting the ball particularly well right here and right now. So I, I was looking for greens in regulation from their last appearance. Now that doesn't work for the likes of Paddy Harrington. Uh, but then he was in such bad form before arriving here. I think you'd have needed some kind of Mystic Meg um, glass to be able to, to predict that he was going to win that tournament that week. He, if you remember, he beat Daniel Berger in a playoff three yeah, years he, ago. 
And he, he kind of chipped chips and putts. It wasn't a ball striking week from memory. It no. was, um, it was but you can you can do that around here. That is that is the issue here. Um, the skill sets I'm looking for um, for this are quite specialised. I'm looking for guys that can hit the ball close from from long distance. I'm also looking for guys that have been putting recently quite well. And I'm also, sand is a big feature on this golf course. So if you've got a, the ability in terms of being able to save par from bunkers as well, that is a huge upside at this tournament because, as you know, this is very typical um, compared to what we saw last week at Riviera. This isn't going to be one of those 83, you know, 88% greens in regulation weeks with the wind howling. Um, I think anything around the kind of 65 to 60, you know, 67, 68% greens in regulation this week is going to be a very, very strong effort. So everybody is going to find themselves scrambling. And if you can't scramble or save yourself from the sand, you you know, there's, there's drop shots and bogeys uh, and doubles to be had. Um, and of course, this course is a typical Florida design, features lots and lots of water. Um, I've got two names that I can um, confidently say that I'm tipping up this week. I'll take you through the longer price um, first before I go down the line of the, uh, the shorter price that I'm tipping up. I'm just checking his price as we actually uh, talk at the moment. I am going for, and I was very, very pleasantly surprised to see um, the, the form that this guy was in last week. I'm seeing 70 to 1 this week about Graham McDowell, who I think is an absolute must-back this week after his uh, very, very good form at Riviera last week. I was very surprised to see GMAC um, get into contention at Riviera. Of course, he's never really done particularly much on. But he mentioned in some interview, I think it was an interview after round two where he'd shot a five under 66, saying that his um, his recent um, three to four months has all been about process and uh, trying to embed a swing that's going to be more consistent. And you could see that last week. I know that up until, uh, up until Saturday, he was third for greens in regulation. Um, he was hitting his usual standard amount of fairways, which is always strong. But his record at this particular event and his record in Florida, of course, he's an Orlando, Florida resident. His record uh, at this tournament and in Florida is excellent, and it's something that I can't really avoid. Um, if you go to Dur uh, the WGC at Doral, he's finished 6th, 3rd and ninth there, of course, in fields that are absolutely stacked with quality. Um, he's also done very well at Bay Hill, finishing second there on two occasions, once in 05 and also uh, once in 2013, uh, 2012 rather, when he finished second to Tiger Woods. And his record at this tournament is particularly eye-catching. Sixth in 2011, ninth in 2012, ninth in 2013 and fifth in 2016. I think that Graham McDowell at 70-1 to 1 with Betfred, they're six places of 50 odds this week, Betfred. I think that's uh, that's a bet that I'm going to definitely take on this week, I think, with GMAC. It was um, noticeable that he really did uh, um, come to the party last week at Riviera. And I just think that the conditions, the wind, the firmness of the golf course, I just think it might play into GMAC's hands this, uh, this week. 
I think the other thing to consider with GMAC is uh, is the Ryder Cup, and you know it's going to affect an awful lot of players this year and uh, their motivation. But um, given that he's won twice around the uh, Golf National in the past, he'll be desperate to get into that team. And if he's going to get into the team, he's going to have to do it through some fantastic results over the next uh, six months or so. So, uh, so yeah, you could see there was a marked improvement in his form last week, and. Um, I don't know, we shall see. He what are your what are your thoughts, Barry, on G Mac from, from your side of the Irish Sea? Do you do you think that his game fits into what we're what we're thinking is is are going, are going to be the circumstances this week? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean the fact that the course is playing firm and fast will be to his benefit because he struggles for distance off the tee. So he's gonna get free yards this week to you know, to, to chew up a few yards off the tee on that golf course. So he'll get great confidence from that. Um, you know, and it was great to see that ball, you know, he'll, he's also coming in the back of a really good ball striking week. I think he can put the Sunday performance uh, de- yesterday down to the fact that it's been a while since he's been in that position. So he's getting all these feelings and, you know, that sen- those sensations he just hasn't had in a while. So, you know, he's got that one week of experience in, in that back under the belt and, He'll feel great having put himself in that position. Obviously, he'll be disappointed uh, to have you know yeah. backtracked yesterday, but he's he's well experienced enough to be able to to put that behind him very quickly and um, and use it to his advantage this week. So I think it's a really really good shout. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go. G Mac would be great. I mean, it's just it it's crap to see a golfer that you know, we've supported for so long, well, particularly from the Irish side of things, um, run into you know some really difficult times in his game and, and tumble down the rankings. So uh, it's, it's really good to see um, you know, glimpses of light of a resurgence of a, a very popular golfer and very cool guy going back up. So fingers crossed. Can you believe he's 208? In the uh, in the world rankings at the moment, it yeah. was interesting from um, last week. These were the numbers after fifty four holes, yeah. So not taking into account Sunday, and just to put some meat on the bones of what you were saying there, Barry, that was the first time in twenty seven months that Graham had been in the last two groups on a Sunday. Felt that real pressure, and it told. You could see that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that a man of his caliber and of his ability and you know the experiences he's had. As of being an elite golfer, um, you know, you look at his record. You can tell with Graham that once he actually finds something in his game, he's one of these guys that can link tournaments together week after week. So these were his numbers after fifty-four holes last week. He was fifth for fairways. He was third for greens in regulation. He was fourth for proximity to the pin. Uh, he was interestingly enough a fifth for strokes gained off the tee because he was actually banging it over three hundred yards last week. Off the tee, so that that's interesting. He was also um, fourth for strokes gained around the green, and he was second for strokes gained tee to green. So you know, just from those numbers, you could see that his performance last week for those first fifty-four holes was fantastic. It really was. Um, so that's that's kind of why I'm involved with him this week. I just think that if you're looking further down the market, you're looking for a little bit of value. At a specialised test, and we know that he's got, of course, the 2010 US Open champion. He's also got another US Open uh, top, I think it was top five. I'm trying to remember um, where he where he finished in another US Open. It was definitely a top five finish that he's got, um, as well as that. Uh, let me just check. Yeah, he was uh, second, of course, in 2012. 
So, you know, someone with that kind of US Open and Open Championship history, I think I think this week could be made for him. Um, before I go to my shorter price, which is a lot more obvious, have you guys got any thoughts or any players that have caught your imagination looking uh, looking into this? Uh, I have a couple. Um, all kind of mid, those mid-odds, and one, I suppose, is a bit longer. Um, the first one is Jason Duffner. So Duffman has had three pretty decent events early on this season, and he's got a 14th and a 17th here in the last three years. He's pretty decent in the wind. He uh, When he gets the long game going, it's good. His stats for the long game haven't been great this year, but his putting's been really good. So that's the thing we always worry about with Duffner, the putting. So, you know, if he can pull the long game together and match that up to the putting, I think he could be a pretty decent shout this week. And he's available around the place for about 55 to 1, I think. Yeah, Six, 65 to 1, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm okay with that. So I've put a little bet on Duffner. Um, and he's got great US Open record, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it all matches up quite well. And it's, you know, it's a decent value bet. Um Hopefully, uh, hopefully he can go well. Uh, another one who uh, kind of caught my eye is Russell Knox. So Russell can definitely play in the wind, having uh, grown up in Scotland. Um, you know, he's he had a nice stretch of tournaments, <coughs> five five tournaments in a row there recently, uh, finishing with a fifteenth. Only one missed cut, but the rest are all inside the top thirty. Um, had a weak break last week, and. You know, last year he missed a cut here, which uh, I'm not too worried about because before that he had a 26th, a second, and a third. So he's gone back to a place where he feels really comfortable and matched up to some pretty decent form and uh, good tournament form. I think he's a pretty nice uh, player to take on this week. He's a little short on the odds because of the, all those factors I'm mentioning, but uh, he can get him at up to 50 and 55s to 1. Uh, so. If, if- just to back you up on that, these are full field um, greens in regulation ranks. So what I do, I record greens in regulation across all the PGA Tour and European Tour um, events. And I know that you see this information. Russell Knox at the moment is top of my greens in regulation 10-week window. And that's backed by, these are full field ranks. So this is where he finished in the field of the weeks of the tournaments. You said five weeks straight. He was 7th, ninth. 8th, 11th and 11th for greens in regulation, five weeks on the trot. So there is a guy that is hitting greens for fun. And he's finished second here twice, doesn't he, from memory? Second and a third, just looking at the yeah. uh, the sheet there. So yeah, adds up pretty nicely. I'd, you know, you'd like a few more points on him, you know, maybe 66 to 1, you'd feel a little bit happier. But, you know, if you can grab him a 50 to 1, uh, all, all the stats uh, point to a... What hopefully a good week for him. Um, and finally, just a quick one. Um, Jimmy Walker disappointed me last week, but um, I've managed to snag him at 125 to one on Skybet, who are playing eight places. So um, I, I, that's by far the market leader price, and I get eight places on him. So willing to take a punt on Jimmy, who is working hard on his game. Stats haven't really come together yet so far. He's brutal off the tee. But um, if he can just kind of sharpen that up a little bit, um, you never know what can happen. Uh, he's he's also won on Bermuda grass before, so uh, you know, a bit of familiarity, and you know, it's all built into the price that he hasn't really performed so well in a while. Jimmy's a fantastic win player as well, isn't he? 
It's interesting, you know, because he was in the top 10 here after 54 holes last year, and he went backwards on Sunday. So he clearly gets on well with the course. So I think, you know, that's that's a big triple-digit price there um, for a player who clearly you and I both backed last week and did nothing. He's the kind of sort that will bob up definitely this week. <laughs> Well, that's why I put my money on him straight away. I said I'm not, I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not letting him slip. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, we tend to do that quite a bit as you know, as punters. You back a guy, he burns you, and the, you know, you go, that's it, I'm done with you forever. And the very next week, he pops up and wins. Oh, so, Southgate's bound to win this. week. Oh, for sure. I mean, if I, I, I mean, I'd back him in anything he's doing this week. If he's you know, ordering a McDonald's, I think he'll be successful in that. So. <laughs> as, as, as sure as Ying follows Yang, Jimmy Walker will be in the mix this week. <laughs> guarantee it. Absolutely guarantee it. Any thoughts from you, Paul? Before we quickly move on to Qatar, and uh, I'll quickly take take you through my last tip. Yes, um, there's one one player who caught my eye, um, and um, I'll see. How, I'll, I'll go down the list of things that he's done, and I'll see if you can guess him before. I got him. So he's finished first in total driving on two of his last three starts. Um, was third for putting in one of those. Uh, he's made his last six cuts in this event. He's uh, been a been a runner up. He's uh, he's lost out in a playoff here. He's got a couple of wins on Bermuda. He's finished fifth on a Jack Nicklaus uh, major course in his career. Um, he's finished second um, on his penultimate start. And you know that you know who this is, don't you, Barry? <laughs> Barry, te- Barry, tell me you don't know this because I, I, I think I do. But I, I want to put Barry on the spot. Go on, right? Go on, Barry. Oh man! Second, come on! He was second a few weeks ago. Come on! And Steve nearly gave it away there with his uh, when he when he called you in there, Barry. I'll put you out your misery. Um, he's not won since twenty ten, which is why his eighties won. <laughs> Ryan Palmer. Yeah. Now I might be setting myself up for another Southgate style fall here because uh, Ryan can get a little bit flaky on a Sunday, but um, you know you look at the the raw numbers associated with it. He is playing well. Um, he's got some form here. He's got you know some recent. He missed the cut the week after finishing second at Torrey, but you kind of expect that with these players. They put everything into trying to win a tournament, and uh, you know don't quite get there, and uh, you kind of have an off week the week after. But um, and he can be, yeah. he can play in the wind as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, very good yeah. win player. Texan man, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to like. And 80 to 1, I mean, the, the, the market's still coming up. If someone goes uh, 100 to 1, I might have to dive in for a, for a little top up on that as well. But uh, the, the, These are my thoughts on the top of the market. Ricky Fowler, 8 to 1, is uh, that's a definite no-no. His, his uh, record when defending is brutally bad. And for a guy that doesn't tend to win a lot, 8 to 1 is just non-negotiable. You know, you just can't go there at all um, I think Rory at 12s will probably be a popular bet um, especially after his quick or his fast finish at the end of uh, Riviera yesterday for me though he's just not hitting enough greens where you can see the real Rory if you see what I mean I think with Rory if you see him hitting tons and tons of greens you just know that the putter's going to warm after that and it all starts to follow logically at the moment, I'm not seeing Rory anywhere close to the top 20 of my greens and regulation tracker. So I still think he's very inconsistent on a number of his approaches. I mean, I noticed last week with wedge in hand, he's missing greens on Thursday. You know, a couple of times he did that, and that isn't Rory McIlroy at all. I just think his, um, 
He's not quite there at the moment. He's still, don't forget, it's only his fourth start since coming back from injury. So we expect so much from these elite guys. The guy I'm going for, though, I'm ignoring Sergio. I have got a feeling that Tyrrell Hatton's going to go well again here this week. But I'm going really, really boring. I'm going Justin Thomas this week. I think 12 to 1's available at Coral. He's ticking every, every statistic that I want to see. Um, he hasn't won for four months, which for him is a big or a long period of time. He was third here a couple of years ago um, when he was playing very, very poorly. And the thing I always look for with Justin is that when he starts hitting tons and tons of greens, he tends to inevitably win very, very quickly. And last week, he was sixth for greens in regulation, if you were taking in, uh, taking in terms of the whole field. He was actually, uh, where is he? He was actually fifth for greens in regulation of those that made the cut. So for me, I can see Justin Thomas going very, very well at PGA National this week. I'm going to take the 12 to 1 uh, on the basis that of the top three in the betting, I think that is, that's going to have the best uh, chances of winning this week. Mm. No, can see him going well, definitely. Yeah, he's and a good win, but good, good win player. Played very well in the wind over at um, in South Korea when he won that at nine under, and he won at Quail Hollow as well. Don't forget the PGA Championship at eight under. So he can grind and he can win tournaments when the scoring's very high. Right, Qatar Open. Let's quickly fire through that. Yeah, let's. Uh, I'll take you through it quick. Um, Qatar Open, uh, Doha Golf Club. They've hosted this since. 1998 so we've got an awful lot of uh, course history to go through this week which is nice um, so Peter Harrod Har- design 7,400 yard past 72 in the desert um, it kind of uh, produces a similar kind of co- uh, score, uh, winning score each year it's around that kind of 15 to 18 under type level so it's scorable without it getting completely out of control and um, the main defence of the course tends to be the wind, and it does get quite windy. It's very exposed, um, and even if you're seeing a, a uh, weather forecast of 5, 10, 15 miles an hour, it tends to be exacerbated quite uh, quite heavily. So um, if you look down the winner's list, um, all going all the way back to, two, uh, to 1998, there's an awful lot of uh, wind-positive and uh, links-positive players who've... Uh, Appeared on that, uh, won the tournament. So Brandon Grace has won it twice in the last three years. Sergio Garcia, uh, Paul Laurie won it in 2012. Uh, clearly, a, an ex Open champion. Uh, Thomas Bjorn, who's fantastic in the wind. There's, you, know, you can go back all the way through. Ernie Els won it before that. Um, there's a lot of uh, correlation there with, uh, with with Lynx Golf. So even though we're in the desert, again, similar to last week and uh, similar to something you picked up on earlier, Barry, there's these players who tend to uh, perform better in these uh, events where there's some kind of correlation to a Lynx track in, in some shape or form. So um, it'd be interesting to see how different it ends up being to last week in terms of the... Um, in, in terms of the leaderboard, um, clearly there's going to be slightly different uh, field assembled, and it's a shame really because actually we had the likes of uh, Yost Lauten and uh, Alex Levy and uh, and Beef. They were all penciled in to play this, and each one of them's pulled out um, uh, during the course of the day or uh, as of yesterday. So uh, we're left with a um, you know a pretty sparse field, and to be honest, compared to some. Uh, Qatar Masters events that we've had in the past, it is pretty poor. So you, you got. Uh, 
Chilboard Olsen, who leads by at 16 to 1 generally, Andy Sullivan, Chris Wood, and uh, last year's winner, uh, Ying and Wang. Um, all around the 20, 22, uh, 22 to 1 kind of mark. So. He, he burned you badly last week, didn't he, old Wang? Yeah. <laughs> Useless. Yeah, yeah. well, he, he put a decent uh, final round in four under and got himself to respectability, but uh, but yeah, he, he was no, never anywhere near it, really. Um, so again, yeah, no doubt he'll, uh, he'll have a decent week. I saw um, Mike Miller on Twitter today saying that 8-1 to one virtually gave him a heart attack on Ricky Fowler, and I'm having the same reaction here to 14-1 to one on Tior Bjorn Olsen. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's incredibly short. Now, you know, wow. Olsen, Olsen might go and win this, and, you know, he's more than capable of doing it, but... Um, yeah, he's not the kind of player who wins at 14 or 16 to 1, is he? He's the kind of player no. who wins at 18 he, do, he doesn't string results together of any of any sort or form, does he? No. It's, um, so, yeah, I, I, I can't go anywhere near him, I, I must say. Um, Andy Sullivan's playing some better golf, that's for sure. Um, Wang, in the uh, one event that he's defended so far in his career, that he's, uh, he's, he's won more events and hasn't gone back for the next year for whatever reason. Um, but the one he has defended, he missed the cut on. So that kind of uh, puts me off a little bit there. Um, Sullivan's playing well, as you say. If I'm going to take one from the um, from the top, and uh, I suspect I probably will, um, I'm going to sleep on it and then obviously publish in the morning, um, then it would be Chris Wood. Now, Wood came back um, from three consecutive missed cuts to finish uh, second last week and that's again the first time for a little while that he's got himself into contention and as you were saying similar to, to GMAC it's uh, you know you sometimes need those competitive juices to uh, to start flowing to get yourself right in the uh, you know right in the mindset to go and uh, take one of these tournaments by the scruff of the neck because in the end um, would you know it didn't so much let uh, Loughton through at the end but um, you know it, there wasn't a great deal of pressure and and Loughton can be a little bit flaky when it gets towards the end of these tournaments as well. So, um, you know, with a little bit more pressure exerted on him, it might have been a different result. But, um, but no, I like Chris Wood. I think he's playing, you know, he clearly played well last last week. Um, he's got great links per- pedigree if we're going to consider that for this week. Um, he's won here in Qatar before. Um, he's back with his old coach as well. And uh, it's interesting that, you know, he's kind of reforged that partnership with his, uh, with his previous coach and uh, he's seen some instant results. Um, so I'm interested to see how he goes this week. Um, 22 to one compared to last week where you were getting eighties. Um, it clearly puts into context what he did in the, you know, from three missed cuts to, to nearly winning a golf tournament. But uh, there's not a great deal of, uh, Quality in this event, and uh, he's the you know, sort he, that can string results together as well, isn't he? he? I'm just he seeing, yeah. I'm just seeing that patch in in autumn 2015. Fourth at the Dunhill Links, ninth at the British Masters, second at the Portugal Masters, and then fifth at the Turkish Airlines Open. Yeah, no, he does he does string events together, and um, you know I've I've backed Wood a number of times in the past, and my observation of him it tends to be that when it's a tougher track, or it's one that's coastal windy. One where there's a, there's a reason why people may struggle tends to be where he comes to the fore. Now, this isn't a particularly tough track um, because you're still going to get to a, kind of a mid-teens under par, but it can be windy. Um, it is likely to be windy. There's going to be... Um, the, the forecast is kind of 10 to 15 mile an hour winds in the afternoon. Sunday is likely to be the windiest day of the lot, um, 20 miles an hour. And when it's blowing 20 miles an hour around Doha, it's actually 
pretty severe. It's, it's you know, you, I, you see some of the old uh, footage of um, when Thomas Bjorn won. Um, it was blowing an absolute gale, absolute gale, and he was knocking his shots down to to win three feet of the pin. It was you know, it, it was a great performance um, back in 2010, 2011, whenever he did that. And you know, I, I don't think it's going to be quite as severe as that. But even so, it's. Uh, it's not going to be straightforward, particularly when the when push comes to shove on a, on Sunday afternoon. So someone who can handle those conditions, um, you know, it could be could be the one who gets over the line on Sunday if they're in contention. So, so yeah, wood of the shorter prices for me. Um, some mid price players that I'm looking at: um, Pablo Larafabel. Um, I missed out on Loughton, who's one of my my favourites last week, and Larafabel is another one I tend to back quote. Uh, quite a bit but it's another great win player and if you go back to um, a couple of events ago he finished um, uh, where was it third yeah that's right yeah I take it you're back in him Baron uh, I have already yeah it just everything matches up quite nicely yeah, it does. Um, he produced a fourteen under uh, weekend, bogey free that weekend to uh, to finish himself in third. So clearly playing well, um, and uh, he's he's played this track a lot. He's he's played here ten times. Um, he's got best of thirteenth, but you know when he's when, when he's on his game, he can he can win uh, this kind of event. And there's, again, there's nothing really there in front of him to uh, to scare him. I don't think that's what interests me. He seems to kind of come. His wins have taken advantage of you know slightly less than stellar fields, and they've all been his four wins on the European Tour have been fifteen under, sixteen under, fourteen under, and seventeen under, and one in this part of the world, which is the Abu Dhabi. So, yeah, um, yeah, it all kind of adds up quite nicely for me. And he's such a likable guy as well. You know, he's uh, he's really entertaining to watch. It just you wish he'd win more because he's so talented, but. Yeah, yeah 50, 50 to one this week. It's fun. Plus yeah. the good thing. fifty to one. Yeah, yeah. for a mid-price player, that's uh, you know, I don't, I, I, I think you're gonna have a decent run for your money from uh, from Pablo. Fingers this, crossed. Uh, this yeah. Well, he's hitting seventy-five percent greens in regulation this year, which is outstanding. So, well, uh, yeah, and if you go back to Malaysia where he finished third, it was eighty-six. So wow. you know, he's, he's striking the ball fantastically, and. One of the toughest parts of this track are the par threes. So if you're hitting with regularity, the your, your greens and uh, you know your irons are, are doing it particularly well, then you know you're gonna you're gonna tear apart these par threes. So yeah, I'm I'm quite excited to see how he goes this week. Um, there's, there's a few more kind of shortlisted. Uh, Jordan Smith striking the ball well again, um, and uh, Sean Crocker again. He's hitting lots of greens in regulation. One of those two may well find their way in. Um, Sam Brazel as well, uh, the Australian. Uh, mm. He's got some progressive form, so he's 125 to one. So yeah. I'm just going to sleep on some of these uh, decisions and uh, see where I go. But um, yeah, that's kind of where my thinking is at the moment. I've noticed Brazil's been um, levitating or gravitating up leaderboards recently. Yeah, if you go back to when he won in Hong Kong, his incoming form was almost identical to where it is now. Um, and the catalyst eventually was that he found um, some really good putting form just before he went to, to Hong Kong. And you know, he won at a tasty price. And he it was something like 1.63 uh per GIR in his last start, which again is it's that kind of uh, sign that says, well, you know, he's just about ready. Um, and say 125 to one at the moment. It clearly has won on Bermuda greens in the past, given that he, he won that uh, 
that Hong Kong Open at Fan Ling. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to like about him. 39 years old. I didn't realise he was that old until I looked, to, looked him no, up. No, I so, thought he was younger than that. Yeah, I had in my mind. So clearly, clearly a journeyman who's, uh, who's been around um, and, uh, you know, that's his one and only win. But uh, perhaps he'll get more before he knocks it on the head. Any others you like the look of, Barry, quickly? No, I'm not going to get too much further involved. Uh, the Rathabal jumped off the page for me and uh, I think I'm going to stick with him. Okay, that's great. We've got a, we've got a fantastic event to look forward to next week. The first WGC, that, which they're playing, of course, at uh, Mexico City. I know that there's a couple of high-profile um, guys that aren't going to be there, but in the main, we're going to have the cream of the crop there next week. And I know that's uh, that's something that Paul's putting together in terms of his preview for next week. So uh, we've got big a big tournament to look forward to next week, guys. Um, thank you for your time. It was much appreciated. And thank you for listening. We will see you again next week for the Golf Betting System podcast. Thanks and uh, see you again soon.